If you guys are a fan of two guys, a girl, and a pizza place, then I have the show just for you, minus a guy and a girl, maybe a girl, and a pizza place, and a spaceship, and a baby. Oh, and Chubbs with a hand. And you got yourself a bunch <laughs> of robots. Now that is a show. That is a show for you. And you guessed it with my not-so-obvious, obvious clues. The Mandalorian hit Disney Plus in November 2019, and we are just now getting around to talking about it. Welcome everyone to Drink In, Geek Out, and I am your host. In my spaceship of life and in my cockpit next to me is... Saf, in my baby Yoda egg contraption <laughs> that floats around <laughs> with... Keith, and I don't have any more references from the show. <laughs> and I am uh, with Keith because uh, this is the way... <laughs> There we go. <laughs> this is the way. And you got it. We're talking Mandalorian. Like I said in the intro, it came out in 2000, November 2019. Eight episodes. Disney Plus released pretty much two of them at the same time. And then for the next couple of weeks, we had to wait for them to come out. It was glorious. We're waiting for season two. Can't wait. Coming up soon. But before we do all that, today today's episode is featuring the Black is Beautiful uh, beer. And we actually have this as a collaboration uh, between a few different uh, breweries. We'll get into that when we describe it. Uh, but the versions we have today are the Summit City version, the Two Toms version, and I believe maybe the Gugman's version, depending on how much Saf wants to drink today. <laughs> <laughs> I do have it in the fridge if I want to get it out. Right. Or I could just talk about it in my what I've been drinking lately. Okay, good. We'll do that. Uh, speaking of which, what have you guys been drinking lately? I... Went to, I think, a couple episodes ago or whenever we uh, discussed that. There's two new breweries in Fort Wayne. One was Dot and Line and the Landing Beer Company. Mm -hmm. I did check that one out uh, several weeks ago, and that was really cool. Um, so I had a flight from there. I didn't have enough time to drink everything, but everything I had was pretty top-notch. It wasn't like this guy just started brewing in his house and then all of a sudden... I mean, it, it felt like professional quality uh, beer that I was drinking. Um, nice atmosphere, great location downtown, the landing that they redid. Mm -hmm. I know we hung out there in college and it was a bit of a dump because you had flashbacks yeah. and C Street and that was about it. Um, besides hundreds and of Can Cancun or something like the the place, like the, the Mexican bar where everybody it Cancun, Club Cancun, Cancun or something. Cancun, I think. I don't know. We went in there one night and we were the only ones in there. So clearly they did not last very long. <laughs> Dance for it, but it didn't last very long. So they completely redid it. It is now family friendly. Um, you can go down there. There's like a coffee shop now. There's a couple businesses that are starting up in uh, the landing in Fort Wayne. Mm -hmm. and it's walking distance. It's literally across the street from the new Promenade Park, which is uh, pretty cool to go visit the lovely brown river water in Fort Wayne. Yeah. I have a check-in for the Wango Tango. It's from Terre Haute Brewing Company. I had it at Books and Brew. Books and Brew has been kind of doing like 
uh, rotators, and I've been kind of enjoying those. But this one caught my eye because it said Wango Tango, and I was like, it better taste like mango. It stinking better <laughs> taste like mango. And it did not. Oh, I know. It disappointing. Uh, I gave it, I believe it was a four, but I had a few of them. They were pretty delicious. I gave it, yeah, I gave it a four. It was, it was really nice. Um, I'm looking up one I had that I grabbed from Tennessee. Um, it's a, uh, it's called I'm Not a Robot. It was from Asheville, North Carolina. It's a microbrewery. Um, but I need, hang on a minute. I'm going to find the beer real quick. I'm still trying to get it. <laughs> While Pale finds his beer, we'll break for a commercial. (laughs) We'll be right back after these messages. Okay, here it is. So it's a, uh, it was a wet hop color beer. Um, I had it about several weeks ago. I picked it up when I went to Tennessee um, late July. Um, They had like a really nice, um craft beer market it was what it's called it was um you walked in they had a a bar with um several taps but they also like on their bet like the when you walk in on the right side they had an entire wall of like cold craft beer uh, and then they had like six packs um kind of behind the the bar stools um that you could buy like and then they had like these shelves with the beer, like kind of split up by like state. So if you like, you're looking for something from Kentucky, like they had that on the shelf. Uh, if you're looking for something from North Carolina, there was like a shelf for that. So I was like looking at the cold um, beer and um, found this one. Kind of created my own six pack. Um, I liked it. I didn't get a chance to check it in because it was. <laughs> I was trying to figure out what to say about it and didn't, uh, Forgot. yeah, finally <laughs> didn't actually, like complete the, the thought and didn't rank it. But, um, I wasn't too familiar with the, uh, Keller beer style. It's like a German style, um, log, maybe auger, maybe, or I don't know. It's a German style anyways, but it was probably in the range of like three and a half to four. Um, when I bought it, the guy said there was, uh, a lot of like notes of citrus that a lot of like the Keller beers don't have. Hmm. Um, and I personally didn't really get much citrus from it. It was more just like straight, um, like German style lager to me, but um, I didn't mind it. It was something different. And uh, the can label, the art the label on the can was like really awesome. Like if yeah, you go to, I was just going to say like log into stuff, there's like that. I'm not a robot. Then you, it tells you like, pick uh, the fire hydrant. Then you got to pick all the pictures with the fire hydrant and then say, continue. (laughs) And it's like, okay, you're not a robot. Like (laughs) super weird. So yeah, that's what I've been drinking lately. I had the Gugman house. Black is beautiful. I had one of those too. I was going to open it up and drink it right now, but it is 9.6 ABV and I don't want (laughs) to have another almost 10% ABV (laughs) beer. In the middle of all this, uh, but it is a stout with they twisted it by adding blackberries, vanilla, and milk sugar to kind of make it a blackberry milkshake stout. 
the blackberries are very prominent in it, so it's almost like a sour stout. Yep, that was my it, thought when it, I had that's, it. Yeah. yeah, so it is good. It's very original, but I I don't think I would rank it super high because it's so kind of sour and not as sweet as you want from your stouts. But mm-hmm. I still think it's uh, interesting enough to check out, and uh, I, I would put it around a four. Yeah, I think that's what Allison would have said, too. She did enjoy it. Uh, speaking of Black is Beautiful, we have two of the beers, Black is Beautiful, and we will discuss them at the same time, hopefully not too confusing while we do this. Uh, so we'll just jump right into it. We have the Black is Beautiful, the Imperial Stout with Coffee from Summit City, and uh, Saf and Dustin do. And then Keith and Pale have the Black is Beautiful, What is Yours? Two Toms. Two Toms. The is it still Imperial Stout with coffee? Is there something else to yes. it? Um, not so much coffee in it. So more the salted caramel Ooh, version. Perfect. Let's get to drinking. Uh, I will mention it is in collaboration with the Weathered Souls Brewing Company ah, in San for. Antonio, Texas. They are the ones that started this whole initiative to support Black Lives Matter. And so they created this recipe and they sent it out to every other brewery who wanted to sign up. And they uh, recommended do, doing all sorts of variations just to uh, get this beer out there and uh, raise some money for a good cause. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Perfect. And we have two from Fort Wayne, which yeah. is pretty cool. And just I know, that's crazy. Men from Indy. Yeah, so the funny story, I was in town the same day that I went to Landing. I was visiting family. Uh, we weren't ready to go yet. And so me and Alice were going to go to Summit City and we ended up taking her family with us because they were not ready to go home either. And so we're like, cool, we're going to do this. So we all started hanging out there and I think Saf saw a check-in of mine from Summit City and he was like, hey, are you still at Summit City? I was like, yeah. He's like, check to see if they have Black is Beautiful there. I'm like, all right, sure, why not? So I did. I'm like, hey, do you guys have Black is Beautiful? He's like, yeah, it's on tap number like five or whatever. I was like, no, do you have any of the, the cans? He's like, oh, I don't know. We had to release, but I'm not sure. Let me see. And then he's like, yep, I added it to your tab. We suck it in the cooler. So just remind me on your way out. I'm like, perfect. Nice. Excellent. Mm. So. Good, good, good. So we have that. That's how we have it down here. So the can, I think it's universal across the board. It's all the same. It's, they yeah. just add their beer name or their brewery name mm-hmm. on there. But cans yeah. all the same. Is uh, Different shades of... Skin tone, I think. Yep, that's exactly what it is. It's just a skin tone. It looks like Lego blocks as they go through yeah. the building blocks, and then kind of pixelated, eight bit ish. Yeah, yeah, and it's 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 nice. It wasn't necessary, but it's nice that it got all the way down to um, as light that they did to show that everyone's included. Mm-hmm. Um, and. The, on the side of the can, it says, brewed for support of justice of equality for people of color. Uh, the fact that they have it all the way through just kind of proves that they are including indigenous uh, people mm-hmm. in, in the list, too. So the, the was it by Bi, the BIPOC now is what they want to be referred to as the black and indigenous people of color. It's quite a mouthful, but that's yeah, it's kind of what the what is uh what's happening which is which is nice and so this can definitely just signifies that and it's just beautiful hence the name that's yeah block lettering pretty much yeah it's it is what it is it's pretty simple but a very uh attractive can it really is for sure um did we have ibus and stuff on this i have nine percent on this can 
say the two times one we have is 10 so it's one click higher Ooh. okay yeah we do not have the, yeah, IBUs. I don't see the IBUs listed yeah. anywhere. so we have abv pretty standard ABV. with stouts yeah but for two times they do have 56 mm-hmm. and that is 56 ish which is in futurama bender negotiates with using this number 56 ish <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then going to color, it is black is beautiful for sure. It is a stout. It really doesn't get any darker than this. Um, out of respect. Oh, yeah, that is black. Out of respect for what had transpired a few weeks ago. Uh, black Panther hiding in a tree is probably going to get my vote. Fair. So, yeah. I'm, I'm just going to throw that out there. R.I.P. King T'Challa. Rest in power. Rest in power. But it, mm-hmm. But it's not just out of jest or anything. That beer is really dark. Yes, it is. 57 is... Uh, okay, perfect. So we got ourselves a 56-ish, but a 57. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> On color. the colors. Yeah, I like it. The SRM. Mm-hmm. Which beer do we want to start with? We'll just go with... Uh, we'll go with them and then us back and forth. So we did the can. They'll do the smell. We'll do the smell. They'll do the taste. We'll do the taste. Yeah, because like, I okay. think your smell is going to be way different than mm-hmm. ours. Right. Yeah, that's I'm why. I, and the taste is going to be different too. So it, yeah. doing oh, yeah. them separately is smart. Because I believe um, for ours, Tom started with his uh, salted caramel base. I think he has a beer normally like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he added just a few other ingredients in it. Um, just reading the description of what he says, um, it's a bit of a play on a salted caramel dark chocolate brownie, is what he put in the description. I kind of want one now. So not not as strong in the coffee. Um, I've I had this once before, and this was really good. But when I saw your description with uh, all the different coffees, I'm like, oh, I want to try that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's what's cool is that they're all so different that you want to kind of try them all or yeah, uh, catch them all. They put their own twist on it, and that's what Summit City's known for, and that's why I love their darker beers because they're more coffee infused, and it really stands out. And two toms with his Lost in the Dark. And with this salted caramel, he's added a little bit more of that brownie, uh, dark chocolate flavor to it. And that's what I love about it. It's like they all put their own little twist on it, which is cool. Mm -hmm. What are you getting from smell, Pill? It smells like two times. Like his Lost in the Dark. Mm. Mm. Definitely roasty. A little hint of smoke, but it's got a sweet, a sweetness to it. I think a little bit of that caramel. For some reason, I'm smelling coffee. I, I, that's what I'm getting. I'm getting like a stouts have that sort of smell in them. Yeah. And I'm sure I'm not going to taste it, but. And salted caramel is a very popular creamer that people put into coffees. That is true. That's true. However wrong pale is, he can be justified correctly. (laughs) You know, (laughs) he's got a caramel mochiato. He did. So it's the salted caramel. I think I'm mostly smelling, but it's kind of given off like a like a coffee, just because that's sure. what sure. people like to put in their coffee. Plus, like the notes of chocolate. Chocolate is also big in coffee uh, aroma. Yeah. Absolutely, it's it's roasty, but it's a sweet roast, and I kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Should we tell uh, about our smell? Yeah, go or ahead. Let them well, continue while they're while while they're while they're having their sips in ecstasy. There, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's pale. My chocolate <laughs> orgasms. Now this oh. this tastes like caramel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sorry, just kidding. It smells a lot like coffee. 
<laughs> it smells like and it's i smell the alcohol too i don't yeah. know if you noticed that there's mm-hmm. kind of like a strong hint of that i'd hope so with nine percent but it definitely smells like uh i know summit city is huge on old crown kind of smells like an old crown style coffee be- co- uh coffee yeah beer. not sure what they use but it does smell like you know something like that i, I mean not really smelling much Almost. yeah just coffee as i shake it i get like a rubbing alcohol almost <laughs> <laughs> the more is that your the, is I or? jostled around? Oh, that oh, that's just my fingers. <laughs> I, I I removed fingernail polish earlier. Yeah, I can I can smell that too a little bit when you say that. The um, it probably has a mm-hmm. lot to do with the nine percent, you know, just that smell of alcohol. Yeah. But yeah, the definitely coffee notes are strong in the in the nose area. Mm-hmm. In the nose. Woof. So, what are you guys tasting? Anything caramely? Ours came up really sweet. You're definitely getting mm-hmm. that sweetness up front, mm-hmm. and ours is a click higher than yours at ten percent. So there is a little bit of the boozy that you get, but the sweetness it's just it's so overpowering right up front to really get that salted caramel flavor. So is it a, is but, it a dangerous ten oh, percent then? Like you can't tell the ten percent because it's how sweet it is. Yeah, Ooh. I think it's pretty dangerous. It's for dangerous, sure. dangerous for sure. I mean, you saw Pale's ecstasy face. So yeah. Well, it's like. <laughs> super smooth like mm-hmm. it tastes like nitro mm-hmm. um it just from like start to finish it's you know like so a lot of beers they kind of like are in like phases of what's up front what's on the back end but like it's up front it's really sweet and it just kind of like so smooth into like a nice chocolate brownie mm-hmm. on the back end um it's just like it just transitions like so good for sure, that so, dark chocolate really comes out on the back end. Yeah, and is there not a lot of carbonation? So it's you said it's pretty smooth. So it's like yeah, not, get the have that kind of tang. Now, to be fair, I've had these for oh my gosh. Well, when did I check mine in? I had this originally. Oh, it's probably been a few months, but stuff's aged very nicely. It's been almost two months, so the carbonation did go down for sure. But um, still, really good. I'm liking it better the second time that I've had it. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure as it gets warmer too, and it's still, excuse me, pretty chilled, but I think as it gets warmer, I'm not sure what's going to happen because as sweet as it is, it, the roastiness I think may come out a little bit more, maybe a little bit more of the bitterness, but the sweetness right now is just very overpowering. Mm-hmm. I think that's what, yeah, if we remember, kind of come down and yeah, uh, check back in at the end of the episode with these two beers as they set for an hour and kind of give our fi- uh, some follow-up thoughts so we could do that. Yeah, I'm definitely going to keep the rest of this for that later. Yeah. It's going to be really hard because it's delicious, but I'm going to make sure I keep <laughs> No, it. I just want to keep drinking it as you guys are talking, but uh, <laughs> we should probably kind of mention what we're tasting yeah. while they look up there's on Untapped and whatnot. It is a very boozy coffee flavor. Yeah, it is. The alcohol really comes through on this one, but it's also strong notes of coffee and mm-hmm. like the chocolatey notes that come along with it. Absolutely. In the back end, you can taste the the chocolate a lot more. The coffee up front, chocolate mm-hmm. in the back, alcohol straight through, all the way through. Yeah, <laughs> I don't really taste agreed any, all the way. Yeah, I just don't taste anything that very you know that uh, differentiates throughout the entire thing. There's nothing like, Oh, there's a little bit of a like fruity taste in between. There's a little, mm. there's none of that. It's coffee, chocolate, stout, plus a bunch of alcohol. 
<laughs> the aftertaste, say. like it's been a while since I took a sip, so it I've get I got like that raisiny mouth uh, flavor that's like left oh, over, yeah. but yeah, I think that's common in uh, these dark beers. I was going to drink out of my Phasma. I saw Keith's Yoda on his table. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but That's like, the only thing I had to, to really take a picture with. I didn't have the little Mandalorian mask like you do. Boba Fett, Jango Fett. Yeah, I have my Boba Fett thing on the wall. It caused me to spill a little bit of my beer. <laughs> I had a little accident. Because <laughs> I had to balance that dumb can up there. But you'll see this on our Instagram. Looking at Untapped for our Two Toms version, there have been 127 check-ins, and it has a 4.3. Hey, app. hey, <laughs> hey! <laughs> that was me stumbling over words. That's so that's ten percent will do to you. 127 to have a 4.3, so really high average. A lot sure. of the check-ins. I like this picture from Ron Stock. I don't know if you guys saw it. Yes, I was just going like to second check in. Yeah, with the little Donkey Kong with the glasses. Using. That looks like something you would have made. I know. Oh, that is super cool. He's like throwing a keg instead of a barrel. Mm-hmm. If only had one is that why he checking put DKLM? In. Is that Donkey Kong Lives Matter? Is that what he put on? I don't know. <laughs> but it's definitely a Donkey Kong glass. That's exactly what he said. DKL. You guys see the placement of that banana, like between his legs. Well, <laughs> <laughs> donkey dick. Well, donkey dick. <laughs> I see a lot of check-ins at like over four, but I do not see a whole lot of comments. Oh, here's one. I'm not a stout kind of guy, but this one blew me away. Very nice stout. Four seventy-five. Thank you, Mark. It blew his pants off. It blew his pants mm-hmm. off. Uh, Aaron B. At first, it burnt. It tastes burnt like the city of minute. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, dang. Yeah, I'm done reading his thing. Yeah. What a, <laughs> That's what fair. Hard. Yeah. Fuck you. At least say the city of California, because that's always burning down. So many fires. <sighs> that's There's fighting fires right now. Someone gave it a five. Rich chocolate caramel coffee. Um, You know, I'm fucking done. I'm not reading any more comments. <laughs> it ruined ruined the whole fun of it. God, it's not the episode for me to go on a soapbox, but he can go fuck himself. <laughs> I mean, not not really a place to put that. I'm sure he only has like five friends on here. So, all right, whatever. Uh, Black is beautiful from Summit City. However, has forty check ins. <laughs> Not as many as two times, 40 check-ins, uh, 4.16. This is also uh, more recent. Two times came out like a month or two ahead of yeah. Summit City's version. I got mine August 15th because it was supposed to be for me and Brad's birthday, kind of hanging out. So it was August 15th. Um, I checked it in. My wife checked it in. She checked it in at 475. She's a, She was a huge fan. Probably still is a huge fan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, got a five from someone, got a four from someone, 375, four, four, 375. I'm not really seeing any comments, which is good because I can't stand people right now. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, literally. Yeah, hardly seeing any comments. So, oh, wow, it's great. Gave it a four and a half. Sweet. So that's Tony that's says what, lots of coffee. Yeah. 
we yeah we're pretty much sitting in pretty waters here. Like everyone seems to like this beer. It's really it's really tasty in my opinion. If you like coffee, this is definitely the beer for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I'm pissed. I didn't get any. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Place I haven't been back to. I say I'm I'm out. They may have it on 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 uh, on tap still. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's only it's only been two weeks since I've gotten it. So a good chance. I'm sure the cans are gone, but you might be able to get it on tap if you go there. All right, you guys do your check-ins, and then we'll do ours. Sure. Sure. Where do you want me to go? I'll do it first. Okay, Pills got first. Uh, Pills got five. Five out of five. Wahoo! I'm not, I'm not fucking around with this. What are your check-in. complaints? I'm, I have nothing to complain about. This. I'm not doing that 475 bullshit anymore. <laughs> um <laughs> That, that beer is phenomenal in my opinion. I said beautiful in my mouth and my stomach. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just I love the the sweet uh, chocolate up front and just the way it uh, transitions all the way through. Um, the it just I don't know I, I just love it. I, I I love the sweetness and it's it's perfect in my opinion. So. Um, I just want to go straight to the five. Done with the bullshit. Good. Yep. Nice. I got to follow that shit. <laughs> <laughs> you should have went first, Keith. <laughs> I should have. Um, my original check-in, I gave it a 4.25, and that's because I literally drank it out of the can, and I hate drinking craft beer yeah. directly out of the can. But I had it, and I was over at my parents' house, and they don't own a single pint glass. So I'm like, I refuse to pour it in anything else, plastic or something. So I'm like, well, I'll just drink it out of the can. And that was like the same day I got it. So it was like fresh, fresh. Um, And it just, the flavors, it didn't set well. Like in the can, it didn't mix. I think when I poured it, it was a little bit more boozier and the sweetness didn't last. Um, And it was a lot more bitter. But now that I have it poured out and it's sat for a while, I think the flavors really have mellowed. And as I said, the sweetness has come up quite a bit. There still is a little bit of bitterness um, on the back end that I'm not a huge fan of. Um, and I personally would like a little bit more coffee in this. But that's on my own personal opinion. And he made it to be a salted caramel brownie. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's my one little knock um, that I'm going to have against it. So I did. I will recheck it in. I haven't done so yet at a 4.75. So it's really good. Nice. Mm-hmm. I guess it's my turn now for the Summit City version. I checked it in at a 4.75. Almost there to the five. It's, I mean, it tastes phenomenally like coffee. And uh, there's that alcohol flavor that is the only thing keeping it from a perfect five. I don't like the taste of like straight up alcohol in my beers. Um, I think, I think this would be a great barrel aged beer in, in like a, like a rum barrel or something just to give it even more flavor and not so much just straight up alcohol. But yeah, definitely if you're into coffee, Keith, this is the beer you're looking for for sure. My initial check-in was a 450. This was the out of the tap. draft. Yeah, I had a draft. Uh, it was also, I would say that it was throughout a day of drinking, to be fair. So I updated the, the check-in. 
the booziness of it kind of is a turnoff for me, so it's not quite a five. And so I, I wrote as part of a, the comment, I think a way to cut that strong alcohol taste would be the use of vanilla. Yes. So yeah, if that'd they, be great. So if they added vanilla. That's creamer to your coffee. Yeah. This would 100% be a five for me. Like it is a very nice, strong coffee taste, a little chocolatey on the back end. But if you have like like a French vanilla ride you through, this is like 100% like a drink I get from Dunkin' Donuts. Like, I'm right there with you. Probably just better coffee taste than Dunkin' Donuts, but I'm just saying, for, <laughs> you know, some kind of vanilla taste would be just amazing. It would be straight up. Yeah. But I did update the score uh, a little bit more clear-minded, if you will, uh, 475 for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, is, it is a delicious beer. And if they don't make any changes to this at all and keep it the way it is now, 100% would drink it again. I'm just saying maybe oh, for sure. add a little vanilla, you know? Mm-hmm. Just as a suggestion. I'm right there with you. Perfect. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Uh, Almost a hand-holding club. <laughs> did I mess it up? You did, but in yeah. a good way. Like you did in a good way, though. Yeah, you... in a good exactly. way. And, okay. It's not like we're all four point seven five. I'm gonna give this one a three point seven five. I'm gonna do a four <laughs> a quarter. Four uh, quarter because it's pretty perfect, in my opinion. Um, <laughs> it's pretty perfect. Yeah. Pretty perfect. I wouldn't change a thing. I would like to remind you that you can follow us on our Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Drinking Geek Out. You can check out our website at www.drinkingeekout.com for updates on our pod, our blog, and the colorful reference models and the Geek IV references are there so you can actually know what the heck we're talking about. If you like the show, please like, comment, and subscribe uh, to the podcast and the uh, social media pages as well. Uh, feel free to reach out to us via email, drinkinggeekout at gmail.com with any comments, questions, and concerns uh, regarding the podcast. We also have a Patreon if you want to get on there. It's patreon.com slash drinkinggeekout. Uh, there's a few levels of you know support that you can do, especially giving show notes, uh, topics, and you know things like that, and a couple bonus episodes. Uh, you can also you know purchase T-shirts and all that jazz from us from our Threadless shop, which is drinkingeekout.threadless.com. We have masks, uh, anything like that. If any of our shirts or masks uh, that are centered around COVID uh, get purchased, we also are donating that to the No Kids Hunger Foundation. Back to the show. All right. So today's episode, as teased by a little bit ago, probably thirty minutes ago. <laughs> the Mandalorian. So when I first heard about the Mandalorian, I was like, "Oh, we got a Boba Fett movie coming out." <laughs> and then they're like, "No, it's a TV show." I was like, "Ooh, <laughs> ooh, what do we got here?" But sure, did it fucking change my mind? I'll tell you what. Wowzers! They they did kind of tease it as a Boba Fett thing at one point, right? Yeah, as. And then they kind of changed gears, or like the real news came out. It never, maybe it was never meant to be Boba Fett, but mm-hmm. it was kind of teased that way for a little while. I'll tell you a little bit about the Mandalorian. Oh, please! It is an American space western web television series created by John Favreau, the man, and released on Disney Plus. It is the first live action series in the Star Wars franchise, set five years after the events of Return of the Jedi and twenty five years prior to the events of the Force Awakens. 
It follows the title character, a Mandalorian bounty hunter named Din Jarn. Did I say that right? Jarn? Din Jarn? Din Jarn, yeah, the D is silent. No double Ds. And his exploits beyond the reaches of the New Republic. Favreau also serves as head writer, showrunner, as well as executive producer, alongside Dave Filoni, Kathleen Kennedy, and Colin Wilson. The Mandalorian premiered with the launch of Disney Plus on November 12th, 2019, with its eight-episode first season. The series has received positive reviews, earning praise for its acting, directing, writing, score, and visual effects. Although it received some criticism for its pacing, it was nominated for a Primetime Emmy Award for Outstanding Drama Series. I do want to mention right off the bat that Dave Filoni is the man behind Clone Wars series. Mm. Oh. So this is his first foray into live action, but mm-hmm. he has so much knowledge in Star Wars universe coming off of that. And that's why he was chosen for that, because he was just a Star Wars nerd from like a young age. So George Lucas brought him into the franchise for the Clone Wars, and then he kind of jumped over to live action with this series. Good. Job well done. I can see the negativity for the pacing, but yeah, there's a couple episodes in the show. middle that are like unnecessary. They kind of take you out of the story. Yeah, it takes you off to other things a little bit in the middle. But, but it, it does build. It the ends up bringing you right back to the yeah. the main story, like towards the end. We have some notable uh, directors that didn't quite get uh, discussed on that byline or the director line. Um, chapter four sanctuary was directed by Bryce Dallas Howard. Yep. So following in her, her uh, father's footsteps in directing. And then Tika Watiti did chapter eight to the last episode. All the other ones were directed by Dave or Rick or Deborah. And except for the four and eight were uh, like celebrity uh, directors, which is awesome. Cause I definitely do enjoy and it- Tika. If you watch the behind the scenes little Mandalorian gallery or whatever it's called on Disney Plus, that interviews all the directors and gets in deep with like their background, and it's interesting because they're they're it's a very diverse group of directors, women, and there's like an Asian woman, a black man, the guy from New Zealand, so it's like all different perspectives brought in to give their own ideas of what this character is and how it should be shown on film. So a couple of the characters uh, starring and co-starring that you'll see recurring and probably just one episode, probably like Bill Burr. Uh, we have our boy, <laughs> Pedro Pascal, the guy who gets his head crushed by the mountain in Game of Thrones. He is the Mandalorian. I did not know his name, first of all. So when Keith stumbled <laughs> through his name, Dindrin. that was new to me. Yeah, that's what I'm like. This is not his name. They, it's Mando. They do say it like I never once, the show. I don't think. Yeah, I think. Uh, I think uh, Carl Weathers calls him that like one time. Uh, Chubbs oh. calls him that. Cool. Also, didn't know what Chubbs' name was either. That's weird. Uh, <laughs> a lone gunfighter and a bounty hunter who is sometimes just referred to as Mando. That's all I know. They don't know his name. They just call yeah. him Mando. Uh, he is a quote unquote. Foundling, who was rescued at a young age by the Mandalorians during the Clone Wars. Pascal has described his character as Clint Eastwood-esque with advanced combat skills and a questionable moral character. Um, so I'm going to mention this a bunch, the behind the scenes thing. 
it goes into detail about there's actually three people that are in that mask. There's uh, Pedro Pascal, who's actually the voice and the face. But there's another guy who's like professional gunslinger that you see do all of the weapon stuff. And there's another martial arts dude that does all the hand to hand combat. In, oh, nice. They just act in those scenes because their face is covered and it could be <laughs> anybody in that mask. So I'll have to go back and rewatch and check their body sizes and see if they're, <laughs> they're, they're pretty close. Yeah. I mean, they're all pretty close. I'm assuming mm-hmm. the child also known as baby Yoda performed by various different puppeteers, a member of the same unnamed species as Yoda with similar force abilities. The child is a toddler at age 50. A bounty is offered <laughs> for his return by the client he is found and protected by the Mandalorian while being targeted by other bounty hunters. So there was a theory that Yoda and what was the other Yaddle? Uh, Yaddle spawned a baby child, and this baby child is baby Yoda. But everyone's going crazy about I mean, it. I think he's so adorable. The time would match up. Yeah. Yeah. But those are the only two Yodas we know, so of right. course that's going to be linked because oh, we've never girl. seen this species. <laughs> 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 maybe they don't even, maybe they produce asexual. Yeah, there you go. All right, so these are a list of the co-starring, which was really nice to be able to see, you know, faces that you recognize from other things in here. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, I want to I want to be in a Star Wars. I want to either <laughs> yeah. be in one or cameo in one. So it's nice. Uh, you have Carl Weathers, or Chubbs, as I like to call him, as Grief Karga, an ex-magistrate, and leader of the Bounty Hunter Guild, who hires the Mandalorian to track down valuable assets. Uh, I'm going to go back to the behind the scenes. Carl oh. Weathers was supposed to be in makeup and unrecognizable. And he's like, when I read the sca- script, I knew they weren't going to cover my face because who hires this face and then covers it in makeup? <laughs> and then <laughs> uh, another thing he said was uh, he was supposed to die in the first episode. Like he gets shot or something, I think, in the first episode, and they bring him back later. But uh, they love that character so much that they decided to keep him around, and I'm glad they did because I think it's a pretty cool, cool character. He's awesome. All right, the next character on the list is Werner Harzog. He's the client, as you know, referred to. Uh, an unnamed man with stormtrooper bodyguards who arranges the Mandalorian to track a valuable asset. Then you have Omid Abtahi as Dr. Pershing, a scientist working for the client. Nick Nolte as the voice of Quill? Quill? Yeah. I think it's Quill. Quill? Yeah, he's a moisture farmer. Uh, and Ugnat Mosher Farmer, who brought his freedom, at, uh, bought his freedom after being enslaved by the Empire. Misty Rosas provided the performance of Coil. I liked uh, him. So I did. This yeah, is the way. Uh, he's a cool character. She <laughs> is like a little, little person. I think is the correct term that wears that pig thing on her head and has to act to match what Nick Nolte is saying. So I feel like. She deserves a lot of credit for that character. Yeah, for sure. And um, originally, I think uh, John Favre says 
that the character was actually going to be just speaking in pig sounds like oink, 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 uh, and subtitled. But in the scene where it's like him talking to the Jawas and the Mando, like just sitting there, he's like, there's the Jawas are just making like weird minion noises and <laughs> there's pig sounds. And then there's a guy with a mask on that. You don't know what his emotions are. He's like, this is no one's going to be able to latch onto anything because there's like, nothing watch. happening in this scene. So we have to have him like speak. <laughs> I would be so confused. <laughs> like, what is going on? <laughs> yeah. He's uh, not to be mistaken for uh, Peter Quill, who is from Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, yes. Yeah, so don't get those two mistaken. It's not Star Lord. Yes, that's Star Lord. Star Lord. Taika Waititi. Waititi! That's the name of, like, sounds like a said by the Jawas. Uh, he was the voice of IG Eleven, <laughs> which was the bounty hunting droid who process you know processes conversations in a precise and literal manner. After attempting to kill the child as a bounty and being stopped by the Mando, he's reprogrammed and he protected the toddler. He was really he was really good. I like his shot. It was nice. Mm-hmm. That was a yeah, good that, scene. That's a really cool character. Mm-hmm. Gina Carano as Kara Dune. A former shock trooper turned mercenary from the now destroyed planet of Alderaan who fought in the Galactic Civil War for the Rebel Alliance and New Republic. She was three seas thick, if you know what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) She was. And she's like a professional uh, fighter or something. I don't know what that. She's a former fighter or something. MMA, yes, that's the thing. <laughs> yeah, she can. Beat, She's a badass. She can beat my ass if she wants. <laughs> I'll allow it. Um, <laughs> oh no, no, no! I was thinking of, uh, Ronda Rousey was in Fast and the Furious. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. she was in Deadpool. Oh yes, yeah, Deadpool. Was, uh, one of the villain henchmen in Deadpool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Amy Sedaris as Pilo Moto a cantankerous docking bay attendant and ship mechanic on Tatooine. Her character was fun. Mm-hmm. She's like, she's from unbreakable, Kim, unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. I don't know if anybody's watched that, but she's very funny on there. Uh, Jake Cannavale as Toro Calican, a fledgling bounty hunter looking to join the bounty hunters guild by capturing Fennec Shand. He hires the Mandalorian to help him. He tries to take all the credit, uh, doesn't he? Yeah, he keeps. And then he dies at the end of that episode. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. There's a like a shadow that comes out of nowhere and kills him. I think. I think that's what happens. Mm-hmm. But and we don't see who the shadow is. It's never brought up again. And speculation is that based on the sound effects that are used when that shadow appears, is that is Boba Fett because there's like a spur sound and some other things that are heard in Return of the Jedi when we see Boba Fett. Nice. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. Speaking of Finnick Shand, we have Ming-Na Wen, who was in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. She was also She's in, in Mulan. Of Shield. She was also in Mulan. That is true. She oh, is Mulan. <laughs> the voice of Mulan, yeah. not the live-action Mulan. 
Yeah. Right. For, but she's, oh. she's also in the live action Milan as like an additional character. Yeah. I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, so the, she's the voice of the cartoon original. original. Oh, okay. The cartoon. Yep. She's an assassin who crosses paths with the Mandalorian. Yeah. Yeah. We cool. don't get too much detail. I hope, hope they bring her back in the yeah. second season. Cause I, I thought she was going to be a bigger character based on her connection with Disney. Uh, but hopefully they kind of follow up on that. Mark. She does well playing that assassin like role. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shield. Mark Boone Jr. as Rasnar Rand Malk, an aging mercenary and leader of the Motley crew looking to free a prisoner on a new Republic ship. Malk is a former associate of the Mandalorian before he joined the guild. That was a fun episode. This is the mm-hmm. the kind of chubbier guy with the long curly hair. Yeah. Yeah. Is that who that is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a fun episode. That's one that doesn't kind of fit the series, but it's also enjoyable to watch, and we get to learn a little bit more about Mando, so I understand why it's there. Yeah. Uh, Bill Burr as Mayfield, a former Imperials sharpshooter and the point man on Malk's crew, so he's part of the episode. Yep. And then you have Natalia Tana, also part of that. She played Zeon, a Twi'lek member of the Malk's crew, and Knife Master who claims to be a former love interest. Of hmm. the Mandalorian, you know, yep. I mean, getting a little, getting down. Clancy <laughs> uh, Brown as Berg, a large Devaro member. Devaronian. Devaronian. Uh, he's part of. The, he's just like the muscle for the team. He's like the big devil-looking guy. Mm-hmm. He is actually in a New Hope. He's in well. The, there's a devil-looking guy in the Moss Eisley Cantina in A New Hope that is supposed to be the same character. Oh, nice. Uh, Richard. He's just in the background. He never says anything. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Richard Oyote as a voice of Q90, also known as Zero, a uh, droid member of the crew. He's hilarious. He's in yeah, IT like crowd. <laughs> uh, he's also part, he does like the, uh, there's like a comedy game show that comedians from in Britain get on and he's usually on there. It's funny. That's cool. He doesn't have a lot to say, but I think his, his, his personality comes through in the character. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Ismael Cruz Cordova is Quinn. He's the one that's being saved. He's a Twi'lek and Zian's brother. He has a combative past with the Mandalorian. There's a lot of people in that and ship, I remember. Yeah. He's probably dead. Yeah, we're assuming. Because he gets blown up at the end. Yeah, we're he? assuming he is, yeah. I'm guessing all the people in prison will come back in the next season as some kind of antagonist. Because they're kind of just left in that prison Uh whatever that thing is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hopefully they'll break out and become a nuisance in later episodes. More filler episodes. Yeah, but it, we, we have the background of these characters, so now we could see them reemerge and be a bigger threat. Yeah, that would be nice. Uh, Giancarlo Esposito as Moff Gideon, a former officer of the Imperial Security Bureau. <laughs> the Galactic Empire secret police whose life changed after the Rebel Alliance destroyed the second Death Star. He's always a good bad guy. 
Oh, he was my favorite. Oh, he's so good. From Breaking Bad and uh, Better Call Saul, Saul, Better Call. Oh, and so he's got the dark saber thing that he holds up yeah. is a callback to Clone Wars, which Dave Filoni invented for that series. He brought it back for this series. The last person we saw with it is Darth Maul. So somehow there's a connection there that we don't know about. So there's a lot. And then Emily swallows. I mean, swallow as the armor. <laughs> a Mandalorian woman who forges the armor and equipment from Beskar steel and enforces tradition among the surviving Mandalorians. She's like the, the queen or the blacksmith or whatever, you know? Yeah. She's pretty badass when she like takes on all those stormtroopers. Yeah. She's like nonchalant in there, just working, and they all just show up. <laughs> She's like, yeah. "I'll handle." You guys go ahead. I'll I'll, I'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just hope he can continue to get upgrades without her. Yeah, as long as she survived that, I hope <laughs> they bring her back yeah. to give her because he got his so fancy new armor, some more armor. And that's all the characters. That we know. There's a lot of characters. Yeah, no. There are. I mean, there's two main characters and then a bunch of side characters. Uh, do we want to do a quick, a quick, a quick episode <laughs> recap? <laughs> Just uh, catch everybody up for season two. Sure. Kind of break it down. So in chapter one, called The Mandalorian, The Mandalorian Bounty Hunter tracks a target for a well-paying, mysterious client. This is... Uh, the child that he just doesn't know about yet, but he's hired to track this child down leading to chapter two, the child target in hand. The Mandalorian must now contend with scavengers. Uh, this is the Jawa episode. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. they, they tear up his ship and he's got to go get the egg mm-hmm. and uh, kind of trade for all of his shit back. And that's a really cool episode where he's like chasing down this big Jawa transport thing that's from A New Hope. Yep. Then we've got Chapter 3, The Sin. The battered Mandalorian returns to his client for his reward. This is where so he, gets he takes the child order. back. Yep. Earns his new, or he gets the insignia. Well, he, those little, little bricks of mm-hmm. metal bricks. What, this was after that big battle with the rhino <laughs> right. creature. Well, yeah, the, the rhino creature was in chapter that was in chapter two. two. Yeah. Chapter two, okay. Yeah, and so then when he gets the reward with the bricks, that's when he go gets the new armor plus the new insignia mm-hmm. of the monster he defeated, and he feels like he cheated because and he's like, I don't, I don't think I earned that because the child. Right. Did his little thing. In chapter four, the Mandalorian teams up with the ex-soldier to protect a farming village from raiders. And this has, he kind of has like a love connection with the woman in this town. And then they fight the ATST that comes out of the woods. Yep. And he leaves to protect them. Yeah. She almost takes his helmet off and then they get attacked. Yeah, no one sees his face. Chapter five, the gunslinger on a familiar desert planet. The Mandalorian helps a rookie bounty hunter who is over his head. And we kind of went into detail on this earlier. This is the one with the. uh, 
woman that's they're trying to track and the bad assassin that he's kind of helping or bounty hunter that he's helping. Yeah. Fennec Shand yeah. and uh, Toro Kelligan. Yeah. I should have scrolled to find their names, but there was too much, too many words. <laughs> <laughs> Chapter six, the prisoner, the Mandalorian is part of a crew of mercenaries bringing a convict from a prison ship. Uh, that's where we got Bill Burr and the rest of the crew and they trying to break out the guy with the blue ponytails. Yeah, it's a very out of place episode. <laughs> it was fun. Yeah. Was that was fun. the off track yeah. episode. Just kind of a filler fun episode. Yeah. Then we got chapter cool. seven. Uh, that's actually the first episode I watched. If you guys are wondering, I watched six, seven and eight and then I watched one, two, three, four, five. <laughs> wow. <laughs> his dad very, had it on and he just was watching with his dad. Machete method yep. or whatever they call it. <laughs> it still worked. It still was good. <laughs> It made more sense when I went back to the beginning, but I, I didn't feel out of place when I just picked up with him doing stuff and protecting this baby. <laughs> uh, then chapter seven, the reckoning an old contact extends an invitation for the Mandalorian to make peace with his enemies. So that's when Carl Weathers shows back up mm-hmm. and they come back to, I don't know, like Tatooine or I don't know what the planet was. And then they get trapped in that bar. And then chapter eight, the Mandalorian and his allies come to know the true enemy who already knows much about them. And then the stormtroopers got them surrounded in that bar and they've got to kind of escape through the lava river. <laughs> I don't know what that didn't it's like a sewer. really make sense to me, but <laughs> a sewer of lava. Yeah. And uh, that's when IG-88 sacrifices himself. Which was sad because I like Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hopefully Taika Waititi comes back as a different IG character. Yeah. IG-88 from the Empire Strikes Back, maybe. Hmm. There you go. Uh, Talking about the visual effects that was used in here, it was Unreal Engine 4, a game engine developed by Epic Games, is used to create the digital backgrounds. Makes the rendering and the visual effects faster than would normally be possible for a live-action series. And Favreau said that the technology can be applied to a variety of challenges. So rather than using sketches on a whiteboard uh, to map out the scenes, the storyboarding was done on the game engine. However, only about 50% of the shots were actually rendered through Unreal and captured in camera. The other 50% were created through ILM's traditional visual effects pipeline and rendered with V-Ray. That's cool. I did not know that. Nice. Using Unreal Engine 4. That's an easier way than sketching it out. Yeah, they made it a video game. For sure. That'd be fun playing that. I'm like, throw that up. Right. So we can play through it. That'd be fun. So the visual effects are really cool in this series because it's basically a giant screen that's like a 180 degree round screen that is all in the back. So everything is filmed inside of this studio with a screen in the background that digitally inserts all of the background images that we see. And it reacts to the camera. So when the camera moves, the background also moves to kind of so it has like a 3D effect, like an isometric, like that's why they use the VR goggles mm-hmm. to direct it because they can kind of see how the background is interacting. And I think in at Taika Waititi says at one point, like he's on the set. He knows there's a screen there, but he's not sure which part is set and which part is the background. He doesn't know how far he, you can't even see how far back the screen goes. 
because it matches blends perfectly with the set that they designed for each episode that's awesome and uh another thing they say is like they're having a production meeting on the set and in one of the the scenes there's like sparks flying off in the background on the screen but like a guy that's just there for the meeting is like oh my god there's a fire on the set because it just looks like there's smoke and flames coming out, but it's actually in the screen, so there's no danger involved. But like, it's so like realistic looking, even while you're there, that you can't tell the difference from where live where the real world ends and the screen starts. That's awesome. And it's like a yeah, whole new way to uh, create this type of stuff. It's not just a blue screen anymore. It's actual uh, produced in reality. Nice. I know that'll definitely help the actors because, I mean, like, even with Avengers, you look behind the scenes, they just have, like, the motion capture, and it's just a giant green screen. It's, like, so hard to imagine, like, you're actually on a planet or something different that this would definitely help. That's why they always say, like, yeah, the first time I actually saw this movie is when I went to go see it because you you were just in a green room or a blue room. Yeah, like, every time I see, like, uh, behind the scenes of Avengers movies or Marvel movies, it's like, green everywhere like yeah. they're in their costumes but everything is green and like even the costumes just, have like green parts on it that they uh, cgi to them yeah, yeah like, like the, nothing like is real like mark ruffalo just ha- wears oh, like a whole he's all like, CGI. Suit. yeah yeah <laughs> suit with like little balls mm-hmm. for balls. Uh, yeah so i think carl weathers says in one of the episodes like it helps me so much as an actor to i feel like i'm in this environment because i don't know what's real and i can actually put myself in the situation and understand what the character is going through and yeah. like it it's pretty that's amazing good. that's awesome, awesome yeah that's awesome but i guess because john favreau directed lion king and jungle book and he kind of each step of the way because jungle book was just like shadows that he implemented and then lion king he he directed the whole thing in vr goggles and oh, wow. And so he kind of brought that along to this to kind of create live action inside of a CG world. John Favreau it's is pretty a amazing. gift. Yes. <laughs> yeah. For sure. He's really for uh, pushing this technology forward when it comes to directing. He didn't even direct any of this. He just wrote, created it. That man deserves an award. <laughs> I agree. And the music composed by Ludwig Garanzo who did black panther mm-hmm. but that is a story for a different podcast oh look at all these plugs in i there. know look at uh, these like new podcast ideas we're using <laughs> i think you uh, mentioned the the diff the different podcast a while back yeah it's uh we'll talk about yeah. this one as well uh trying to make a spin-off drink in geek ost and we'll talk about the music of this episode or music of this entire series as we get there. Yeah, for sure. It'd be fun. Do we have any uh, thoughts? I know it's not on the script, but any theories of season two? Maybe Yoda, yeah, for season two, like his origin, besides Yoda, Yaddle, love making baby. I feel like they're going to yeah, introduce because that doesn't happen because once you're part of the force, we're going to find out more about a species somehow. Yeah. Hopefully we get it's already been announced that the guy that plays Django Fett in the prequels is coming back to play Boba Fett because Boba Fett's just a clone of him and he's going to be in season two. 
nice. It'd be nice so, that they, he, they had Solo with Darth Maul. Can we have a Darth Maul little cutscene? Yeah. Even if it's just a cutscene to think, show how the Darksaber got there? It's true. I think uh, the Obi-Wan series might do more with that. Yeah. Because uh, based on the Clone Wars in Obi-Wan. And the book. With, De- yeah, Darth Maul. But hopefully they'll tie those two series together or kind of, yeah. you know, do the like characters overlap and stories kind of bleed into each other. But It'll I think be Kathleen Kennedy says that Darth Maul is going to be very important going forward in these live action Disney Plus series. Yeah, I figured he'd be like the connecting factor between them all. Huh. Them all. Them all. <laughs> all right. Are we excited for uh, Rosario Dawson? Or as Ahsoka? Ahsoka Tano. I think it's pretty perfect casting, in my opinion. I think she could do it. There's I was expecting more of a more like uh, timid character, maybe someone a little bit smaller, but I think she'll be good. But you got to think she's an adult now compared yeah, to when yeah. the Clone Wars were and when this takes place. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. I didn't think about that. She old now. She, yeah. She's, she's an adult. Older, yeah. I think she's a little bit older on the Rebels when she shows up. Mm-hmm. It'd be nice to see, like, particularly, like, the backstory. No spoilers. I have not finished the Clone Wars, but finding out, like, what exactly happened to her between the end of Clone Wars and mm-hmm. through presumably some of the movies to her showing up then in The Mandalorian, just kind of what happened. Where was mm-hmm. she? Yeah, the final season does a good job of telling where she's at during Revenge of the Sith, but it's it'd be awesome to learn what she's doing during the original trilogy too. Right. I think that's it, right? I think so that. Too. But we still have Gotta get back to our beers. Yeah. Warmer are a little For bit left. Beers. I are struggling here. <laughs> well, you got one sip left each. <laughs> It still doesn't change my answer. It doesn't really change my rating, but I do like it a little bit more warmed up. I think the alcohol comes through even more now that it's warm. It's got like a burning to it almost on the back of the throat. I think the same that a little bit here. The alcohol comes through a lot more and definitely the bitterness. I think that sweetness kind of trailed off a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's more of like a ro- roasty like burn mm-hmm. like at, on the back end of it. Mm-hmm. Good, it's still, the smoothness is still there. It's just this now the sweetness is not as much. Like the chocolate has died down a little bit, and it's just more roasty, more of a burn. Yep, that last sip was just all alcohol. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't change my score, but no. it does change the flavor slightly, and mm-hmm. I, I'm still enjoying it about the same. It just changes the flavor profile slightly. Doesn't change my score, but um. I actually kind of like it a little bit better cold, which I probably don't say that very often with these like stouts. When it comes to stouts. Orders. Right. I probably agree with you. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool. The end. The end. All right. See, Is that how we see end them? Bye. <laughs> I mean, sure. Someone else say it so I can try to match with you. <laughs> Until next time. Drink up, drink up, and eat and eat out. We got it, guys. We nailed it. Yeah, that's good. It.